Uh, welcome to the Warm Down Podcast, episode five. I know it's been a minute still since the last episode. I know we were supposed to do a, a preview of the uh, Euros, but but now we want to have a discussion. Perfect time now because of the end of uh, match day two. Um, so it's been throwing up some interesting results. I want to really talk about, obviously, the biggest game of the of match day two was uh, the derby between England and Scotland. Try to go in depth with that and have a discussion regarding that with Rem to discuss it and then look at all the the tables why as they currently stand at the moment and then end, end the proceedings talking about give a little brief discussion about the the UFC with Adesanya and Vittori last week and then the press conference between Fury and Wilder bit of a mad one from from Wilder's point of view bit of strange behavior but I think the best place to start is looking at the table we'll also talk about a few headlines isn't it? just a few headlines to do with Mm. Transfers situation at Tottenham, um, yeah, just to catch up on things that have happened. And... Yeah, touch upon all them, all them aspects there. Yeah, so let's talk about the the table as it stands after match day two. We got um, Italy uh, Group A riding high, top of the table. Wales second, Switzerland in third place, and Turkey after two games, two defeats. Um, at the bottom of the table, uh, looking at uh, Group B, we've got Belgium topping the group. Russia are second, followed by Finland and Denmark um, last. Um, and in groups, Italy and Italy and Belgium are through at the moment. No? They're two qualified teams. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they seem like they're qualified. And also on Group C, Netherlands have also qualified. It's a bit of a race for... The, the second position between Ukraine and Austria, they're both on three points. And it looks like North Macedonia are going out. They're bottom at the moment. With with Group D, it looks quite interesting. Czech Republic and England are level on points um, with, with four points. Uh, Croatia and Scotland, third and fourth with one point, still up for grabs. Hopefully England can get qualified to the next round. Scotland's still got a chance to qualify, so they're still up, uh, up in the air there. Um, very similar Group E. It looks like Sweden leading the way at the moment with four points and qualified. Slovakia, you know, in second yeah. place, and obviously, well, they're near they're touching distance now, but they obviously they're in the, they're in pole position at the moment, and obviously yeah, with the results which happen, yeah, and with the results that happened just recently now between Spain and uh, Poland makes it even more interesting. Uh, finishing one-one uh, with them being third and fourth, and France. Just just in the lead at the moment um, with four points. Got Germany and Portugal, second Ooh, and third, yeah. and Hungary. Yeah, the ones that England want to avoid. So, um, yeah, with Hungary last with one point. So it's all up, up, up for grabs at the moment. I want to really touch upon, obviously, the biggest game on match day two was England versus Scotland. Big game historically between the two nations. Um, I felt it was a bit disappointing in the game especially from England, especially being the home side, and you would presume that England would be the more dominant team out of the two of the players that they got, but it was a flat performance. I think Scotland really prepared themselves really well, kind of organised their team to kind of prevent England from really trying to get a result. I think Southgate's tactics were very negative. I think he made the right choice to kind of change the team a bit, getting some width down the uh, down the left-hand side, you know, change the, the full-backs, but I just think the whole play, you know, there wasn't no urgency from England 
to kind of win the game. And I think Scotland kind of got comfortable and they had moments in the game where I felt that they could go, go on and win it. Just disappointing with England. I mean, this is a team that sh- they should be beating Scotland. No disrespect to Scotland. Um, decent team, got a couple of good players in their team. But England, you're at home. You've got the fans now back after the, the lockdown, the pandemic, you know, kind of easing now. You know, you've got the, the fans there, maybe not at full capacity, but you should be putting Scotland to the sword. I don't know what you, your thoughts are, Ren, but for me, it was kind of a poor performance. Well, I'll let you, after go more into England. I'm going to talk about Scotland more. Um, very organised. I think Steve Clark, for me, proved... And I, I don't really rate Gareth Southgate anyway, but um, yeah, I think Steve Clark is the, is the better manager. I don't think one game proves that, but at club level, you know, we've seen what he's done at Kilmarnock and he improved them to kind of breaking up that, the, the top two that dominate Scotland. Um, he's got experience as a coach, you know. He's he's been alongside Mourinho. He was alongside Mourinho for years. He's had he's had various jobs. You know what I mean? Um, it's a very different job, different um, objectives from both nations. Like obviously England is tipped to win it. They are to be honest. They are nearly every tournament. It seems like you know what I mean. They're in the top three for some reason. And don't get me wrong, England got. I don't know why. England got star players. They they got a talented group, got very good young players. They've got a, only one, in my opinion, genuine world class player. Um, but they've got one, and there's other nations that don't have any. And, and I think alongside that, they've got a lot of top top class players. Um, with Scotland, I've, I've, for years, we say I, I think personally, I think this is the best Scottish group I've seen for for years. Mm. Um, we know some of the players that are playing in the prem that impress like kind of week in week out obviously one of them you don't really rate but McTominay McGinn they obviously brought Che Adams in as well I rate Che Adams but yeah to just, talk not about to cut this you off, hmm. not to cut you off um, about McTominay I thought he had a great game I think that's his best position at centre back um, I suppose he does he, he done a brilliant job to kind of Mark Kane at the game. Um, he was good. He was decent. It was a good performance. Yeah, on the performance, I think um, midfield they were brilliant. McGinn got that yellow card early on. You were kind of a bit worried because he just started the game kind of ruthless. You know, I mean, he's running around just tackling everybody. Um, it was a proper Premiership kind of game. You know, what I mean, and that midfield with McGregor. I was impressed with McGregor. It's the first time I really, really watched him. Thought he was good, and another one that I've heard positive things about, but I never really watched him myself. Um, for a full game was was Gilmore. That was what his first start for Scotland. He was he was brilliant. Um, so I think the one in midfield battle, I think out of the defenders, I think the one that stand out out of three centre backs, I thought was Grant Hanley. I thought Grant Hanley did did really well. Grant Hanley handled himself well. You know what I mean? Uh, Obviously, oh, Tierney as well. Tierney and um, Robertson had that little thing going down the left. They were overlapping each other. Good energy. Good energy from Scotland throughout, to be honest. Dykes caused a lot of issues in the year. Um, was winning a lot of first balls early on in the game. And that just kind of let England know that, okay, you're, you're going to have this for the whole game. You know what I mean? We're, we're going to compete. We're going to compete everywhere. And um, Adams, 
I thought was very good as well without getting his goal. Um, he did the the hard work of a striker. Like he sat, sat in a weird position in a hole and no one was really dealing with him. He's very strong, physically strong, holds up the ball well. He's clever, brings players into play. Maybe not the most accuracy in his in his passing and, and stuff like that, but um, he's a wit. He's a wit. So I, I was I was very impressed with Scotland, man. Um, I know it's going to be England and turn up, and I know it's going to be obviously they, they flattered, um, failed to to reach the heights and and failed to impress and, and stuff. But I, I was impressed with Scotland. I think from the off they they set the tone. You know, what I mean, it was very early. They scored a goal very early on. On another day, when Stones tries to block that squeeze under his foot, takes the, the deflection and and goes past the goalkeeper. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I mean, if anyone deserved to win, I thought they did. I know England hit the post, um, but I, I was just very impressed with Scotland. I hope, I really hope they do go through. Listen, I'm. I'm be honest, I'm not an England. I don't support England. I'm not an England fan. I was brought up, never encouraged to support England. I don't have that patriotness. You know, I mean, when I watch them, that national, I don't, I don't care about any of that. I just want my Spurs players that play for any nation. I want them to do well. Um, obviously, being in England, being from England, it would be, it would be um, historic to see them actually win side. So if they do if they, if they do well and they impress, then fair dude, I'm not a hater, you know what I mean. But um, all in all, I was I was impressed with Scotland. Yeah, um, what I mean, yeah, I totally agree. But what what needs to stop happening is not gas this England team up to be the best thing since sliced bread because it's not coming home. It's not coming home anytime <laughs> soon because what I saw yesterday was an opportunity for England to kind of show the rest of the teams who are involved that they mean business. We were at home, and no disrespect to Scotland, we should be beating them. With the players that we have, this is probably the best England team in terms of the squad for a very long time. But the only problem is we've got a manager who just simply ain't good enough in Southgate. He's very negative. He's very defensive-minded. And I don't know if, if anyone's told him that this is actually a tournament game, not a qualifying fixture. I just want to say safe. something. It's too conservative. I just, I, and we don't... I, I just want to say something really yeah. quickly. Like the last tournament, the World Cup, obviously England done well. They got semi-finals. Mm. Listen, you can only beat who's in front of you. But I, in the in the build-up, in the, in, the, in the friendlies, in the tournament, I've never seen nothing from this guy that told me he knows... At a time, we've had a similar discussion with Oli. There comes a time where, as a manager, mm. you can make changes tactically, system mm. be be clever, make make tactical changes, system changes that can go on to winning a game. You can't do that. If England are not in a fairly comfortable position or up at halftime or going into 60, 70 minutes, He's not going to do anything as a coach to inspire England to get through to, to get through that match and win. The in, in the World Cup, the the one game, obviously the Belgium they played in the last group game that was kind of a not a nothing game, but I remember there's a bit of a mix up squads in it. Um, so that game yeah. didn't really mean nothing like that. When their first test was Colombia, Colombia we were like okay, Colombia could beat England. 
Colombia on their day, I know Hammers wasn't fit like that. But you know on their day they can win. And what happened? England felt some competition and England had to get through on penalties. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm. Yeah, that, that's, that's just my point on him. Is, is He is falseness. It's, it's the, the gas about this guy was coming home and this guy made a vest fashionable all of a sudden like he's a G, you know what I mean? And and mm. for me, he hasn't proved nothing. He's, he's The one thing he does well is on a human level. How he interacts with the players and stuff. Okay, you could argue now the way he handles Jack Grealish is is, it, is that the first kind of guy where it seems like he's got something against him? Um, obviously, going into the tournament, he brought four right backs, and obviously that was controversy and, and, and whatever controversial. But my issue was that if you're going to a tournament, you're bringing four left backs. One of them has got to be the best defensive one you've got in the country, and that's one Masako, and he didn't go. I'm not mm. saying that would have made a difference in, in the game, but for tournament football. Take a guy like that, do you know what I mean? But yeah, that's my point anyway. But go go ahead. Yeah, now nah. touching on what you said about Juan Pesaka, you know, um, when you look at it, I mean Juan Pesaka for me going forward is not the best player, but from a defensive point of view, he's probably the best right back in the in the league defensively. And when you're gonna like be up easily. against teams easily, yeah, he's easily gonna cut when you're gonna come at a situation where you're gonna be facing teams and maybe like a France when you've got an Mbappe running at you, he's the guy to, all he knows is defending and he loves doing it. And to not have him in the team, when you've got some, no disrespect to Carl Walker, Kieran Trippier, these, these guys are getting on an age. I know they've got the experience, but Juan pazaka has got that experience from playing for Man United and playing against the best players in the world, like Mbappe and, um, and all these other players. So to not take him in the team, it's, uh, I don't know, it's, a, it's questionable. But again, you know, it's an opportunity to kind of stamp that authority to make people see England have a, a viable opportunity to win to win this this Euro, uh, Euro 2020 and they and they flopped at home and I, I have to question the tactics as well because did they really need to play two holding players couldn't they have been a bit more expansive maybe dropping Rice or or Phillips I didn't matter which one they're very similar players I think maybe keep Phillips on based on his performance against Croatia and add a, 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 another dimension in, in attack and I think people want to see Grealish because he's the one type of player that, for me, you know, in terms of making things happen, he's done it for Aston Villa. There's a question mark of whether or not he can do it for England. But the level of opposition warranted Grealish to play, along oh, okay, with Foden okay. and Mount. Because in, in, in the midfield and the forwards areas, who who would you have started? I would have I would have started Grealish. I would have started. I wouldn't. For me, I would I wouldn't even start Sterling. I would have started Sancho, because for me, he's been doing it for Dortmund. His assists. Because England don't create any opportunities. They don't score enough goals. And no wonder why Harry Kane is not getting no service and you know, is not really in the game. Because they don't have players in that team that are creating opportunities. Which is quite baffling for me when you've got someone like Grealish and someone like Sancho, who primarily for their clubs produce a lot of opportunities for, the, for their forward players. It's a no-brainer to why they're not, that they should be in the team. But listen, the problem is Southgate, he has his favourites. He has his Rices, his Mounts, his Sterlings, who guys, he's go-to guys. But, you know, you've got a squad. You know, you need to break teams down. 
You don't need to play that safe against Scotland because Scotland, when you break it down, they're not that good enough. They're not that good because it, if it was a France playing, a, a France or a Germany playing against Scotland, they would have found a way with their attacking, attacking intent to win the game. You know, 100%. A, you need to win these type of games. If if Scotland had a, let's compare them to Wales. Wales have a a, a top class player and a world class player. I don't think. At this stage, Scotland have a top-class player, let alone a world-class player. But if they had a top-class player, they would have had a big chance of winning this based on their performance. No, you know what 100%. I mean? um, and a world-class player, you would say they definitely would have won. As long as he, he, he played well, they would have won. Um, but yeah, the, the, for me, when, when talking about the forward line, I said this from few months ago Mason Mount has to start for me I, I think he's the most you can rely on him in all kind of areas of the pitch but Phil mm. Foden can play in my opinion his best position is that left hand side I say it all the time I don't like him on the right hand side I don't think he's good on the right hand side he's, he's a fantastic player anyway but the left hand side for me is where he's looked his best for his club this season. Play him there, and the player that is best suited and probably only suited to play on the right-hand side is Sancho. Play him. Mm. The, 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 the Sterling being in the team is because of the running in behind. And I get it. I understand it. Harry is not a, mm. a real runner in behind. Foden isn't going to do that. Grealish isn't going to do that. Sancho isn't really going to do that. But Sancho would stand you up, take you on. You know what I mean? And, and, and you can do things around him. You can draw players in with, with his one-on-one dribbling. And, and if he sees from the corner of his eye, James making the overlap, that's what's going to allow that to happen. And that can happen with, with Foden because Foden is a bit more suited to that because he would be cutting in off the right-hand side. But mm. the, 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 the tempo in their play is just, it's just not there, man. It's just not there, and I think you saw it again yesterday. We know in national football, the tempo is different. But yesterday, Scotland made that a premiership tempo. That midfield, mm. that midfield, the fullbacks, um, is it O'Connell? Was that his name? The O'Connell. Uh, was that his O'Connell, name? The, the, the right wing back. Yeah, O'Connell, yeah. yeah. He, he was very good. Full of energy, as I said, from the first minute. They set the tone, Scotland. Um, yeah, so that, that, that's that's a team that I would kind of would have gone with. But yeah, now I was just like I was saying, I just think it's it's kind of worrying when you're an England team, you've got the, but so much potential, different type of players that can come on and make a difference. And then you've got a manager like Southgate who's holding this England team back. That team that played yesterday lacked any energy, lacked any. Uh, vision, creativity, very safe. And his willingness to, t- you know, he's thrown on Rashford as a centre forward. And I'm thinking, to be honest, you've got mm. Calvert Loon on the bench. You, you, we no need Danny a poacher. Ings. No, no Danny, Danny Ings. Ings. No Danny Ings. Now, unless he's injured. I, I, as I said, when the announcement was made, I kind of knew he wasn't going to be in it because it was looking like that anyway, but baffling to me. But yeah. I mean, like, you've got Calvert Lewin, but you froze on Rashford. Is is an argument that this is just the same old England? I don't think it's the same old England under Southgate, 
I think if we had a, a different manager, a bit more forward thinking, able to let these players... Haven't England been at this stage? Failed to live up to the hype or even, even if we say the hype is too much, live up to kind of a good standard, a great standard. I mean, mm. the best probably that people have seen for a long time was obviously that last World Cup and before then people were probably said Euro 96 or whatever. But all the other years with Gerard Rooney, hmm. is this sort of the same thing happening again? You, you could say that, but I, I think you look at the players now. These are players who who are not fearful. You know, they've not been, yeah. they've not got that experience to, to, to be to be fearful. Well, These I are players agree. that and, can and express themselves, well. and they're young, they're impressionable, they're able to produce that quality when required. I think it's the situation. Look, the fact, you know. I think the whole hype around England, I think the whole is coming home. That needs to stop because it's giving um, opposition fa- opposition teams motivation. We need to cut that out. We need to be realistic. Mm. The problem that England have at the moment is not necessarily the players. It's just that the manager who's setting out the team. It's basically really what I saw yesterday was six defenders. You've got the, the back four, the two sitting in there, and the, Harry Kane was lost, lost at sea. He didn't have the service. And... The, the, the right type of thing to do was to kind of play one holding and let, let, let's let have more of an attacking because of the opposition we're playing. I can understand that formation if we're playing against France or Germany or a better team. But this is Scotland. Again, no disrespect to Scotland. We should be beating these teams. And, we, you know, we're worrying about whether or not we're going to get, you know, you know, everyone wants to finish second so we avoid, avoid France. Now, my, my thing is that we need to win this and we need to show whether or not we're good enough. Because this, this, this is tournament football. The best play the best. There's no hiding. You know, you've got to show your quality. But when you've got a manager who's so negative and voided of ideas, it doesn't bode well for England going forward. And I've said this time and time again. That, listen, that semi-final run to the World Cup was a myth. Because we didn't play any quality uh, teams until we probably when you got, we got to Croatia and we got found out. Yeah, we beat Croatia, but you look at that Croatia team. Old, old legs. You got Modric oh, in there. You got Croatia Perisic. In this tournament. Yeah, this tournament. Listen, they're, they're not the they're not the Croatia of a couple no, years no, ago. No, 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 they're not. So, but I expect more from England. But the problem is, is Southgate, and Southgate's not giving these players an opportunity to express themselves, and they're not creating any opportunities. And if you're not creating opportunities, don't expect England to win games. Scotland was set up very well, and they knew there was times in that game where. Clark knew that there was an opportunity for them to win. And they, he brought on players more in, in advanced positions and they could have won it. And that's a, that's a sign of a manager. In-game management is very key because you look at the game, you judge the game, they're very comfortable. There was not one point in that game where Scotland were uh, on the back foot. They, were, they looked very comfortable. They looked kind of fluid. Mm. And there was an opportunity there. And he took it to bring on some forward players and they could have nicked the, the victory. And no England fan can complain about that performance because Scott, because Scotland were the better team. They created more opportunities. They looked I mean, more threatening. They can't complain they, about the result. They can't complain about the result. No. no. And you, can't, you can't complain about the performance either. You know, the fact of the matter is Scotland were the better team and they played above, the, above their ability because they knew the importance of the game and they knew how important, you know, for, their, for, their, for them trying to get through to the next stage. They took the game seriously. Well, they took, well I'm not saying they take it seriously, but they, there was an intent from Scotland to try and win this game. There weren't no intent from England. England were yeah. playing it very conservative. And there was no, there's no ambition. 
Now, I don't know. People people say, is that down to the players? But I put that down to Southgate. Southgate's got to look at the game and think, who can I bring on to affect the game? You know, well, you know, we're 60 minutes down. Who can I, what can I do to change it? And mm-hmm. the players that he brought on, it's just, it's, you're, they're baffled. You're baffled. What, like you're bringing on Rashford to play centre forward. Well, you know, primarily he's best on the wing. You've got Calvert-Lewin there, who's a poacher, who will get, get in the box, and that's what you need. Or a Sancho who's going to come in and create opportunities. And that's the, that's, this is about levels. When you get to these type of tournaments, these key moments, this, this shows the best from the rest. And when you've got a manager like Southgate who's limited, you know, it, it doesn't bode well for England going forward, man. All right, look, looking ahead to the Czech game, what would you, what would you like to see different? In, in maybe lineup, obviously well, performance. Like, uh, obviously, you'd want to see a better performance, but I mean, in lineup, mm. what, what would you want to see? Well, I'd, I'd like to see him drop. We don't need two holding players. Like we, you know, we're virtually qualified. I want to see a good performance. I want to see an attacking performance. I want to see one holding player. Preferably, I'd like to see Phillips in there over Rice. I think Rice has not been at his best. I'd like to see Grealish in there. And on the right-hand side, I think we need to drop Sterling and put in Sancho. And, so you're um, saying Foden come and out let's, for Grealish? Pot- and you're uh, potentially, Sterling yeah. Come out for, for Grealish. Ryan, and you're saying Sterling for Sancho? Sancho, Sancho yeah. I want to see a bit more creativity. I want to see a bit more... Uh, more going would you forward, see, see Kane get brought in. All right. I, I, I would keep. I, to be to be fair, I would keep. I'd keep Foden, Grealish, and and, and Mount. And I think that's what okay, people want to see. Go, and kind of go. I for think it. Phillips. Yeah, and go for it. It's, it what's, what's what's to lose? We're four. We know we've got four points out of a possible six. We're virtually qualified as it is. So there's there's nothing really to lose. And some people want us to finish second anyway. And the Czech Republic don't really pose that much. Again, they're a team, no disrespect to Czech Republic, but they're not a, a team that you look at and think that, you know, they're going to win, they've got potential to win it. They're, they're a decent team, but it's a team that England should be beating. I, for me personally, I want to see England create opportunities and take them opportunities because I'm scratching my head looking here. When are England going to, where are the goals going to come in for England? Where are the opportunities going to come? But if you're going to play more of an attacking side, this will, this will see, this will show what, what's, Southgate's all about. If he's able to kind of adapt the team, change them, and let's see players like Sancho, and let's see if these three can work together in tandem. Foden, Grealish, and Mount, and link up well with Kane. People want to see goals. We want to see how what England can do potentially. But I, I, for me, I don't think he'll do it, but that's what's, that's what's needed. Sancho needs to play. and we, I, I want to see them free play, because this is the right opposition to play, to make the changes and actually go for it. But time will tell. Want to move on? Yeah. Obviously, outside of that game, um, looking at sides that have impressed so far, who do you think in terms of the teams have really impressed so far in Euro 2020? It's been a weird tournament so far because I've been up and down performance. You look at France, the first performance was professional against Germany. Then they come up against mm. Hungary, who, who were backed by 60,000 fans and didn't play great. Um, they got a point in the end. Chances was they probably deserved to win, but you know what I mean. Um, Hungary fought for their for their point. Um, so the mm. most impressed with, I think you have to say Italy. Um, you can argue our oh, Turkey and Switzerland, the, the biggest of competition, but 
there's a swagger about Italy. There's a there's a there's a club kind of of look to them, like they look mm. like they've been playing together for years. Um, and it's impressive. It's impressive what Mancini's done. I do worry about them um, with pace. I mean, Cellini hobbled off in that last game, so they're going to need him fit um, if they've got chance of winning this. The next game against Wales, which will be an interesting match. I probably expect them to rest a few. Cellini will probably sit out. As I said, hopefully, uh, for me, um, as a fan, I hope he's, I hope he recovers. To, to play in the knockout stages. Uh, but yeah, definitely I've been impressed with them the most. Um, as I said, their football, not very Italian-like. They're pressing, their energy. I know they play two games at home and, and that, that's the weird thing about this tournament. Teams are playing, mm. certain teams have been playing at home. Um, France are always going to be, I think, favourites because they have the X factor, which is Mbappé. Not saying he's the best player in the world or, or anything, but he is... He can make a difference. Oh, man, he's exceptional, man. Look, one little loss of concentration and that guy can punish you. Backed up, I mean, in, in the first game, I thought Varane was world-class. Um, mm. Kimpembe, we spoke about Kimpembe before me and you. Um, he's definitely raised this game because um, I didn't rate him at yeah. all maybe two years ago. Uh, definitely see a difference in him. Much more calm. Makes much better decisions. Um, and squad-wise, just generally, the, the squad is is probably the best in the tournament. I mean, I know Germany bounced back in that second game and impressed and um, got a big win against Portugal. Can they win it? They can. Do I think they'll win it? Nah. Um, but you have to be impressed with that second performance. We'll see... When they play hungry, um, whether they can now start to build some momentum and, and some consistency going to the knockout stages. Um, I, I I do want to talk about Wales. Um, the first game, they, they rode their luck a bit. And, but one thing about Wales, you have to give them a similar thing to what Scotland heart. Real, real heart. What they maybe lack as I said, they've got a top-class player, they've got a world-class player, and they've got good players around that, decent players. No, I mean, you look at Scotland squad and you mix the two together and it would be a mixed-match kind of team um, for quality. But they've got they've got so much heart, man. And you can see it in, in their little huddles after games and stuff. They've, they've been together, that group, for the core of it for, for a little bit. Ramsey, Davis... Bale, um, and then you add the youngsters around it. They've got some decent youngsters as well. They've got a guy who, just similar to the hungry striker up front, a big guy he's hard to, to deal with. Um, yeah, so I, I, I think everyone kind of likes Wales because they're just like, they're workmen-like, do you know what I mean? And Belgium. Um, we know that their squad is fantastic as well, probably along with France, the best squads in the tournament. And you just saw Kevin De Bruyne's difference to any squad that he's in. He's, he's world-class he's, and world-class players raised the games, raised the levels of players around him. And, and that's what he did. He came on, his goal, the goal he set up, he, he's just 
ridiculous. Um, and they've got a chance. They've got Lukaku who scores goals. Defensively, they're weak. They look old. Denier's not a leader. Denier's not great. I think he, he's a bit part of... A, he can be a bit part of a, of a good defence, but individually he's not good enough. And then he's got the two older men, obviously Spurs legends alongside him, but they're older now. And it's sad to see Jan go through where you can see the decline in him. Um, yeah, so defensively, it, it's a warrior, I think. And Martinez is not known as a defensive coach anyway, that where his teams know how to keep it solid. But they are they are um, yeah. a threat. Um, and just want to touch on, um, was a, we're talking about the teams, um, obviously Christian Eriksen. It was mm. crazy thing to see, crazy thing to watch. Um, obviously, we've heard positive news now. At the time when I was watching it live, seeing them pump his chest in the back and trying to resuscitate him, it was, it was hard, man. As a as a listen for anyone, mm. I don't care who you support. If you're watching that, as a Spurs fan, and I'm a Spurs fan, where when players leave, unless it's some ridiculous circumstances like Saul Campbell, I, I I don't hate players. Kyle Walker, I never hate him. I don't boo players. Um, I don't send abuse. I don't negative things about people. I, I, I don't do that. So I've always liked Christian Eriksen from, you can ask anyone, you can ask P. I, I wanted Christian Eriksen so badly when he was at Ajax. He's my type of footballer. Yeah. Um, so I'm so glad he's okay. Listen, we might not ever see him play football again, which would be sad, but you know what? The, the best thing is that He's fine because I said it was in all it was a hard, hard thing to see. A hard it was it was heartbreaking seeing that go on, you know what I mean? Um that's all I want to say, but obviously it's positive news now. So um yeah, so who who you been impressed with? Yeah, I mean before I go into that, I just wanted to obviously shout out to the, the you know the Denmark team to kind of um who reacted to when you know Christian Eriksen was in that situation and the professionalism to try help him and his family. It was class, keep him it? alive. Yeah, I think it, Every, everything was 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 a show of class for him. The way they mm. they tried to cover him up by all huddling around him, and you know, what I mean, uh, it was pure class. But yeah, yeah, now yeah, hundred yeah, percent. And uh, and and I think like you know that whole situation is very difficult, hard hard to see any player. You know, and obviously I know you mentioned he's an ex Tottenham fan, Tottenham player, um, so it's difficult for anyone to see any player in that type of circumstance. And we've seen in the past other players who've been in that situation and have passed away. And luckily, you know, that Ericsson's okay and safe. Um, but I wanted to briefly just touch upon when you said about Belgium, um, about um, in terms of the fact that, you know, they've got a good squad, um, you know, Kevin De Bruyne. I just wanted to ask a, a question about, do you think there's a lot of pressure now for Belgium, because for so many years we've been saying about the potential of Belgium, with the squad of players they have, they should be winning, whether it's World Cups or uh, Euro, Euro two, Euro European competitions. Do you think there's an opportunity? You think now is a more than ever now they need to kind of justify the hype because I think England get a lot of a lot of obviously hype and stuff, but I think Belgium are not too far behind them, and they've got a better better team. And it's you know, is it now the final the end? 
now where you know enough's enough they need to kind of prove their worth now because how long are we going to keep saying that you know about about their potential uh, it, it's now the time where they're going to finally win win the big one this is the this is the, this group's this main group's last chance mm. i think we'll still see de bruyne in the next tournament you still see lukaku possibly as an eden hazard you definitely see his brother definitely team the mans definitely dendonka but munier batongan toby mm. it could be their last their last go at it you know what i mean and what area is that? That's the defense. So unless yeah. we know that there's some fantastic defenders coming through, they can't. You can't win a tournament if you ain't got a defense. So we know how good Vertonghen was. We know how good Toby was. They're not the same level as they was. If they was at that level still in that age, then yeah, they would probably be 100% favorites. Added the people they got in front of them. This is their yeah. last chance. I mean. I, I think it's their last realistic chance. As I said, I don't think they can do it. I just I don't think the defense is reliable enough, and that's got to do with the coach and 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 the players that they've got. Yeah, yeah. They, they, listen, they've got a fantastic squad. Um, attack of players otherwise. Um, Mertens has been a bit quiet, which is a bit of a concern. Um, in the absence of the Bruin, but obviously. It looks like he's 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 ready now, um, but yeah, I yeah I, I do think this is their last chance. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, but to ask your question about in terms of who I feel I've been impressed with, I think it's got to be Wells. I think when you look at Wells's group, you know you've got Turkey, Switzerland, and Italy. Switzerland being the highest ranked team in that group. And obviously, everyone knows Ooh. how good Italy are. Yeah, Switzerland are the highest ranked team in the in the group. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> just says it all. It just says it all. And um, for the way they could, you know, to come back in the first game against Switzerland, you know, Switzerland looked like they're going to win it. And just having that fighting spirit to come back mm. and win it. I mean, a great header from Kiefer. Mm. It was an overall yeah, good performance. Great. And they had moments in that game where they could have could have won it. But you know, I think on fair reflection, it was you know it was the right result. But to kind of still be in the be in the fight and be able to kind of get something out of it, and then the performance against Turkey, again, you know, you touch upon certain players in their team who can make a difference. You know, you got Gareth Bell. You know, despite his his club form or whatever, he's still a world class player, and he's shown moments um, this season for Tottenham, and he's shown moments in in this tournament reminding people that he's a world-class player. And Ramsey, you know, he's gone to Juventus. It hasn't really worked out. But for Wells, again, he's just showing his class. And when you've got these type of players in your team, there's always an opportunity. And there was a fantastic performance by Wells. And Wells are that type of team. have got a mixture of a mixture of hard-working players, not world-class players. Maybe the one world-class player and an exceptional player in Ramsey. But as a team, as a unit, they're all Garrett, in sync and they're hungry. And listen, it's Gareth Bell. If you've got Gareth Bell who's fit and he's motivated, anything can happen. You need just that one world-class player that can make a difference. And mm. that's what they have. That's mm. a, and they're very motivated Wells. And 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 they don't fear anyone. And the next game against Italy, they won't fear them either. And I think they're gonna look to, they're gonna see it as an opportunity to think they, they have a chance of getting something out of here, a positive result. 
They've got four points. They're practically qualified. I don't think they're going to fear anyone. Bearing in mind the last Euros, they got to the semi-finals. So there's no, there's nothing stopping them to get that further, further on. That, that, I think they've got an opportunity. Not to say, sit here and say they're going to win it, but they're not going to fear anyone. And they, the way they play is very exciting, easy on the eye. And when you've got players that can make a difference, it makes it all that much easier. Um, but I've got to give them credit, man. What, what, the credit, what and you, then got to give the, the manager credit as well. What do you, um, what do you think about Netherlands? I think there's a heavy reliance on Depay. Um, a hev- uh, if Depay ain't performing um, up to standard, I don't think there's anyone else in that team that can kind of carry them, carry them going forward. Um, it's a shame, really, because when you look at Netherlands of the of the past, the certain players that they had that could make a difference, a Snyder or mm. you know a Van Nistel or you know the Van Bommel. And when you now look at it, there's only really Depay now. I mean, listen, my boy Donny didn't make it in there. Um, he was injured, but I know De Jong, but there's no one really there that's really taking it by the scruff of the neck. And there's only De really there's a tidy. heavy reliance on Depay. De Jong's tidy, tidy but, player, but, the, but the he's, he's a moments. match winner. Yeah, the match winner now. But but I have to say, um, I think you're putting a bit of this the service so far on what we've seen on 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 Wijnaldum, who's playing in a higher role. And um Dumfries. Yeah, no, nah, they've been playing okay, but when I'm looking at it going forward again with the, the rest of the teams are left, that I think Netherlands can become unstuck. I don't no, think no, they're I'm not saying the Netherlands to win. where uh, Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying so. I'm I'm just I'm just asking what you think because to be honest, I, I thought they were the group was gonna be okay, it was gonna be competitive for them. So I, I thought they could make it through the group. Um mm. their managers just just got such a shocking record and everything he's done, basically. Mm. Um, I know going to the, into the tournament they w- weren't looking very good either. Um, mm. Yeah, so I, I was... And I like... I, I've always liked Holland. I think everyone's always liked Holland. They always play good football. I mean, they've always had yeah. a history of players that don't get along in the squads and their personality, too much personality clashes and stuff. But I think everyone's a fan of Holland. You know what I mean? The style of football that they play, the orange kit and whatever, but a bit of weed. But, like, <laughs> I think... Um, I, I'm not saying I'm impressed with them, but I, I I know they've been playing at home as well, which has maybe helped them. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I just, I just wanted to... As I said, I don't... I think they'll probably get knocked out straight away in the knockout stages, but... I think they've done a little better than I, I even thought. Expected, yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at that group. Uh, you know, it's it's a tough group on paper, but um, yeah, they, they've done well to get maximum points. So yeah, you know, they they've done well. Um, so obviously, just moving a bit forward now. Um, Arem, who who do you think is going to win it? Um. I'm I'm gonna say the team that I put a little little bet on still a couple hours ago. Um, I'm gonna say I hope that they can keep it together. I was looking out for Locatelli because I heard him link with Man City, and I was like, bro, like let me let me, yeah. let me really watch this guy. And in the first game, I did not know he didn't catch my eye, but I didn't see nothing where I was like, okay, I can see why. You know what I mean? And then the second game, 
oh man, everyone will want him now. You know what I mean? Yeah, he was aside from the two goals. I mean, his first goal, the volley out to the wing, and then to continue his run and then to get onto the end, like, was brilliant. Um, as I said, the two centre backs they played each other with each other for so many years, so many games together. Understanding, as I said, they are older, so pace will be a problem, and that is the thing. So when they come up against pace, I want to see what adjustments they can make as a team with the manager, what 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 tactics they can employ to to stop that threat. Because I don't know if they can continually. The pressing might work. The pressing might work for them because they've been able to keep it up. Um, but against higher competition, would they be able to keep it up for the whole game? I'm not sure, but yeah, I think it's pretty they, 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 they're, they're my they're my tip to win it. Mm. You? Nah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a plausible shout for for Italy. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with France because the squad depth. The, the players that they have, there's a lot of pressure on, on their shoulders, but I, I think they, they should do it. They should be able to, with enough quality they have to, to, to get to get their job done. Um, but just, for me, from, from start to finish, from defence to midfield to up front, they've got, they've got match winners. They know what they need to do to win it. Um, yeah, it's got to be France for me. Yeah, it's going to touch, touch upon some headlines. That's happened um, recently um, in the transfer window. Um, Aston Villa signing Bundia from Norwich. I think about £38 million. Um, that's kind of an interesting one there. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, he's a good he's a good player like Bundia. I mean, being Arsenal to sign him, I remember my bedroom's a, a Villa fan and I was like, oh, I know that Arsenal have big interest. They've had an interest mm. for him for a while. So I kind of thought he would know that. So he'd be like, no, nah, I know that they, they're big fans of me. Do you know what I mean? So that would encourage him to go there. Mm. But I heard Martinez and him share the same agent and that was a big impact on him choosing Villa. Um, that's a good signing for them, man. It's a good signing. Creativity-wise, could take a bit of pressure off Greenish if he's still there. Um, yeah, because I'm interested to see how if, if Greenish stays, how they line up. Um, towards the end of the season, if you could see Triori can be a, a, a good player for them. Um, add Bundia into it, um, and, and Greenish that, that would be a very good support system for um, Ollie Watkins. I do think Villa need a striker as well. Um, and I know they brought Ashley Young back. Which it looked like he was going yeah. Watford at first, or going back to Watford. Then it was Burnley, which I thought was a kind of good suit for him, to be honest, um, with the style that they play. And then last minute, I kind of heard Villa, and then I think it was done kind of quickly. Um, yeah, so for Young, I think it's a good move. I don't know where he's going to play. I, I, I don't. I don't know if you know where he was playing at Inter. Where is he? You know what position? I think yeah, he was he was playing like right right back, yeah. So I yeah, think that's he what might, I thought. Might be playing that right back position. So I know El Mohamedi is gone, so I guess he would be back up to cash. Yeah, competition like and we'll squad player. What I happens think. going forward? But um, yeah, it's a nice move for him, I guess. I'm sure he's gonna want to play. Um, 
But yeah, that's that's a good business so far for Villa. Yeah, um, I think it kind of shows a bit of ambition from Villa. Um, the last couple of seasons, I know the first season when they got back up, you know, they the have a reliance on Grealish. You know, they, they, they've had a decent season last season and now they've kind of got Bondia. Um, it suggests to me that they want to take the burden off Grealish and I think they might look to keep him and add add to what they've they've got creativity uh, from, from a creative perspective. They've got Getting Ham in, young in the as... transfer window, isn't it? A few, yeah, for, I mean, a few they... for a couple of years now. Yeah, and I think it's worked. I mean, let me Martinez, I think that's a They've had One a lot of, the of failures, though, to be honest. Yeah, but I think I mean, they've had some worked, positives. Cons has worked. Cash had a good season. Cash has a good Target season. Target is good. So, yeah, when you name that, their whole back line has, has been successful and their goalkeeper. Yeah. Ollie Watkins had a brilliant season. Yeah. Yeah, it's not now. Maybe I take that back. But they have spent a lot of money in, in, in that. I think they've had a few players that kind of... Like Gilbert and um, yeah. Engels and... Yeah, um, Wesley. I mean, he could still have a future, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they signed Douglas Costa as well. I think he's a he's a good player. He's a Douglas. Douglas he's a good player. Yeah, Louis, Douglas, Douglas Louise, Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, good player, but yeah, good but I like the ambition. I like the ambition. Mm. What Villa is showing, you know, they they're not they're not resting on the laurels. They want to kind of spend the money and get quality players in, and they got a board that. Sees the vision and they're, and they're backing it, and I, and I, you know they want to get into that European. That's what I see from a signing like a Bundia. Mm. It seems to me they want to kind of get closer to get into the European position. So, kudos to them because I think you know a couple more signings, and then you know I think people are Arsenal and Tottenham will be looking over their shoulders because Villa Villa are coming for for them spots. <laughs> I know you don't want to hear that, but <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, Liverpool as well signing uh, Kanate as well. Um, they needed a centre back. Um, good, he's a good, he's a good defender. French international from Leipzig. I just like the fact with Liverpool that you know they, they're they're quite good at a transfer window, identifying the target, and getting it done, getting it signed nice and early. And I think it kind of bodes well for for you know the rest of the transfer window, getting a player like that of that quality in, and getting embedded into the team, and hopefully kind of build a team to kind of challenge for the Premier League. So I think overall it's a good signing. Got a bit of an injury record, but interesting to see who um, replaces Ronaldo. But yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, touch upon you said Ronaldo. You know, he's he's joined PSG. Um, listen, he's been a fantastic servant for Liverpool. Um, he's you know, he's instrumental the last couple of seasons with winning the Champions League and the Premier League. It's going to be a, a huge hole for them to fill. So, but listen, I understand why he's gone to PSG. He looks to be joining to win, Barcelona, you know, go for but... the money. Yeah, they messed money. him around, you know. The, oh, they messed him around. Yeah, the money, yeah. They messed him around. I mean, when Alden was saying that, you know, that he was, you know, going to Barcelona, but it just took too long and PSG came up with an offer and he just signed for them. So it makes sense. And, and you know, yeah, I, I don't blame him in that aspect. You know, you know Barca got all their problems at the moment. So, you know, at least with PSG, they look like they got their stuff in order. So, Barca got the but moving on... Um, yeah, they got to pie now, so on a free, you know, another Dutch Dutchman in the in the Barca ranks and Aguero, yeah, got a couple of free freebies in there, so <laughs> they're moving, they're moving in the right direction. <laughs> um, also a big one there as well, Ancelotti, kind of leaving last minute from Everton to go 
rejoining um, Real Madrid and now leaving kind of Everton in the lurch. He didn't leave replace last him. minute. He and left in a... the minute. Jesus. As soon as Real Madrid <laughs> said to him, he was gone. Gone like the wind. Yeah, the man was gone. Um, yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see who they replace him with a few mm. names being spouted about. Uh, Benitez, Nuno. Um, what do you think is the best? It seems like Benitez is the front runner. What, what, what do you think is the best? Take it, take it. T- taking the, the, way, the way Everton want to play football, um, they, they, they want an attacking manager. They want to play some free-flowing football, but is that they, 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 you know, they can see too many goals. Yeah, uh, no, nah, I think they're more defensive, you know, <laughs> structured. And a, but I think Everton might need that. Mm. I think they might need that because they, they ship too many goals. Uh, concede too many goals, and I think Benitez, it, I think it's the better suit. I know, take the the Liverpool connection away from it, from from an experienced manager that knows how to get the job done. I think he's, a, I think it's a perfect fit hmm. for them. I think they've they've gone down the route of trying, like trying to get like an expansive manager. I mean, Martinez uh, in the past, a few other managers. I mean, Ancelotti did work to some degree, but they need someone who's going to be stable and get the, you know, build that defense and then. Go forward that way, and I think Benitez will stabilize the club yeah, really and, and you know get them quite close to where they get them closer uh, to Europe. So I think that's the better option. I know the fans at Everton might not want that, but I think from an experience point of view, you know he's he's won a Champions League at Liverpool, Europa League, he's managed Real Madrid, so he's got that experience factor. So yeah, um, a massive one there um, is with Sergio Ramos leaving Real Madrid. After several years at Real Madrid, fantastic servant of the club. Um, you know, he's been a natural-born leader. He's had he's had many fantastic years there. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes. I know there's been a lot of speculation in terms of where he could potentially go to, maybe go back to Seville. I know Man United have been linked with him. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting. But really want to touch upon this merry-go-round at, at Tottenham, Rem. Um, the circus continues. I mean, one minute it looks like you've got a manager in, then it looks like you're back to square one. Um, I think the floor is yours, really, to kind of you know keep up to date where where Tottenham are in terms of their search for a new manager. Boy, I don't think anyone knows. I don't think they know where they are. Um, I'd tell you what I heard from like journalists and, and people that I listen to and whatever. Pochettino was their top choice but PSG weren't having it then obviously we saw Conte come available kind of gave up this talk of DNA and all this to kind of say let's go back to kind of manager similar to Mourinho you've got back in the transfer market had positive talks with him and whatever and he wanted a couple of days to think about it and I think while both the club and him were thinking about it the club must have thought, you know, before he turns us down, we're just going to duck out of this situation because, you know what, we ain't giving him, we ain't going to give him what he wants. So let's just duck out. So I don't know if they panicked or whatever, and they ducked out of that just before, at the same time, of them talks starting um, Paratici, I think that's how you pronounce his name, he come in as director of football, like, got a good um, reputation at Juventus and stuff. So he's come in and now like kind of Levy's said to give all the responsibility to this guy to find a new manager and 
players, selling players and bringing players in, whatever. So then he identifies Fonseca, who, as the fans know, after hearing Pochettino and then Conte, now Fonseca, I think we all reacted the same way. And to be honest, it was like, what, what is this? You know what I mean? So we were upset and I was just like, kind of disillusioned a bit. Then I was reading up things and hearing things on him and whatever and listening to journalists talk about him. And um, it was made me feel a little more positive about it. And I was like, all right, let's just go with this, man. And listen, I will support whoever the manager is. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. You don't want that situation. You want to be a bit more upbeat and yeah, like, do you know what I mean? Like, pumped up for the next season, mm. but kind of wasn't that. And then the dumbest thing happened. It seemed like my man ducked out after 20 certain days with Fiorentina over money and he become available. No, and then our director of football, yeah, attacks Gattuso and says, yeah, I wanted him at Juve. I was looking at him. I want him now. And apparently they spoke online or, or on video or whatever. And the talks were kind of good. Um, but the fans went mad. I don't know if that was the actual reason why, 100% the reason why, but the fans were going mad. I know on Twitter was hashtag no to Gatsuso. And I was going to join in and I thought, let me just leave until the morning. Like, <laughs> it was on my head. Like, I was like, just envisioning Gattuso, you know what I mean, at Spurs, and I'm like, this is dead. This can't happen. Um, and then got up in the morning and just a few hours later, I hear that, nah, it's not happening. And I was like, breathe a sigh of relief, you know what I mean? Um, and then we're kind of back to square one. I mean, listen, anything is possible at Tottenham. Listen, we set the manager at half-time in Martin Yo, who kind of got the fans on board for the kind of first real time under Levy anyway, um, sacked him at half-time and mocked Pochettino by not backing him, a guy that has overachieved, basically, without winning trophies. He needed that bit to win the trophies. He didn't back him. And, and then you sack him and you panic and sack him and then bring in Mourinho who's a complete opposite to him and a guy who wasn't going to back with money anyway, who kind of needs to be backed with money and then sack him before a mm. cup final and Everything dumb goes on at Tottenham with Daniel Levy, man. And listen, I wouldn't be surprised if there's more madness to go on. I don't know who I, I'm hearing some links with Nuno and Valverde and Rangnick. And now that it, it, it seems like they're the kind of guys that could end up being. If they believed in Ten Hag, they should have gone for Ten Hag. That's just how I see it. If, if, if you believe in a manager and you believe he's fits the mould of what you want going forward, pay the money and get him. If he's out of your price range of just like a player and it's ridiculous amount of money, then yeah, like like Nagelsmann, mm. 20 million. If it's that, then yeah, then I can understand you saying that. You know, I really want him, but I don't want him that much. It's, that's that's robbery. But I'm sure it wouldn't be that with Ajax. So. But they've left it too late now with, with that one, I, I feel so. I also know that they were close to getting the Seville manager. I don't know how to pronounce his name. He's the guy who Spain sacked just at the kickoff of the tournament because he signed yeah. with Real Madrid. 
and then Real Madrid sacked him after like two months or whatever. He went to Seville, obviously, won the Europa League. I heard that was done. He had agreed and everything. And then I may only back that maybe something to do with family issues or something. But he was kind of done. And that would have been a kind of interesting one. So we're at the point now, I don't know where we're going to go. It's, as I said, Tottenham, it's just embarrassing. We're just an embarrassment at the moment. Um, that, that That's what I know. And that could change by tomorrow. And we might hear, oh, we're going forward with this person. But who knows, man? It's just <laughs> crazy. I mean, obviously, who would you at this point in time be your ideal uh, choice of manager? <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a bad question, man. I, I, I really don't know because... I know Paratici is not going to look at people like Graham Potter, Graham Potter sorry, um, Scott Parker. He's, he's on the other side of the world. Like He knows that that's why we're linked with every Italian guy that kicks a football now, right now. Even unrealistic, you know what I mean? Locatelli. It's not going to happen. Never going to happen in a million years, but we're linked with him. Um, this is what's going to happen. So I really, David, to be honest, man, I really don't know, man. Uh, there's so many names that have been crossed to the list and there's maybe two, three of them that I, I, I would have took. As I said, I wasn't down with the Conte thing. I know people sound stupid. Oh, Conte is this. But you have to look at the suit of the club. And we're just not suited for that. We're just not at that level, man. We just don't back people that much. We're just not that club for for him. Yeah. Uh, that that's how I see his personality. He would beat us for two years. Duck. He might win something in that time, but it's the madness that he would leave behind. And I'd rather, as I said, go with a process again. I know people might say, "Oh, I'm sick of that," and I get it, man. I get it. But that's just my personal thing. That's just how I look at management and how I look at football. It's just, sometimes you've got to take baby steps, and we were making big strides with Poch and he didn't back him. So he started to have to take back steps and then we fell down a hole and then you got rid of him. You, you bought Mourinho. We ain't got out of that hole since, to be honest. You know what I mean? So I really don't know what manager. I, I really can't even say a name, to be honest. And that's, that's mad. Yeah. No. Yeah. I know what you mean. And just a touch on, other headlines, um, Wolves have replaced Nuno uh, um, um, as my large lager uh, for, for, uh, as a new manager, another Portuguese manager coming in with the links from uh, George Mendes, Jorge Mendes, so in the club, so they wanted to keep the Portuguese theme going. Um, but I wanted to move on to the UFC, the, the car, t- uh, UFC 263. Uh, headline by Adesanya, Adesanya Starbender, and Vittori, number, number two. Just wanted to take your, get your thoughts on that that card. Well, starting with the main event, Adesanya winning, I felt comfortably against Vittori, uh, gone to decision. What was your thoughts around? Um, we was gonna do a pre. This was gonna be our first UFC event that we break down with a preview up. We didn't get around to doing it in time. That's why we're going to wait. But anyway, um, it kind of... I, I thought Vittori would have been... 
I know he, he's a weird character. He, he's he's always angry and everything, and, and you can't fight Adesanya like that. He didn't necessarily fight like that. He just kind of done what everybody else does against Adesanya. And at this stage, you have to give him credit, and that is why they do that. That's why they their body language and their behavior is the way it is. That is why Robert Whitaker came in there and tried to take his head off. Similar to Mayweather, you know what I mean? He, he's got that aura about him that makes you yeah. do things that you shouldn't do. Robert Whitaker doesn't fight like that. I'm a big fan of Robert Whitaker. He does not fight like that. He tried to take Adesanya's head off with everything. Um, and Adesanya countered him beautifully and destroyed him in two rounds. Basically knocked him out at the end of the first round and then finished it off early in the second. Um, he had the weird fight with Yoro Romero, which he got hit like yeah. with the first punch of the fight, and it was a big, big shot that he, he he took, and it made him kind of say, "Okay, let me just fight this guy at range," because Adesanya can't do that. He can sit on range and and use his kicks, and yeah. leg kick you and leg kick, and if you don't adjust, if you can't grab a leg, you can't take him down. You're going to you cannot sit there and strike with this guy all the way out or trying to take it. You cannot do that. You've got to be calculated. You've got to mix it up. And as I said, Ro Romero, yeah, Yo Romero, sorry, he froze as well. Costa, the biggest freeze ever, the biggest hype. Mm. And Adesanya embarrassed him. I he told you about Costa. As well. huh? I told you about Costa, man. He was all hype. Ah. Uh, Listen, he's, he's a good fight, but as I said, people go in there against Adesanya and freeze, and, and he froze, and he just took leg kicks, shook his head like nothing was hurting him, and then he just got destroyed, and then and then I'm humped at the end of it to make it even more embarrassing. So with Vittori, Vittori was kind of doing the right things in a, in a way. He was, he was closing the distance, but he kind of had to be... If you watch the first fight, he was a little too far out. And then he changed that approach in the third round, and that's the third round that he won, where he believes he won the fight just because he won that third round, which, listen, you get it, but he didn't win the fight. Mm. Um, in in this this one, I wanted to see him not be all... The, he has to be all the way in. You know what I mean? On his chest and hitting him with body shots. and But he, he was... He, he was Pressuring the whole fight, he wasn't landing anything. His punches were just slow. It was like he was, you know, where you want to hit someone, but yeah. you're kind of scared to go to go full help because you're scared of the counter. And 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 that's how it seemed. That's how it seemed to me. And Adesanya picked him apart with the leg kicks. He got taken down um, early in the first round, and that was like, whoa okay, this could be different. But he showed he's a world-class mixed martial artist now. Like He got himself up in all situations where he was on the ground. First, a couple of situations. Had situations where, he, he, as he says, he, he saw where his soul, Vittori's soul was gone, where he had him pinned down, holding his neck and, and was ready to ground and pound. And he saw that his soul had gone from there. Um, yeah, and Vittori... Is delusional as well, and he needs to. I like Vittori, I like the way he is, that uh, he's just him. Um, but he was 
too delusional, man. Um, his coach had to tell him, and, and, and Javier Cadero was 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 um was real with him and 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 told him, listen, you're not winning this fight. You're not winning these rounds. Like you're not touching him. You're not really doing anything. You're pressuring. You're not doing anything. You're holding him up against the fence. You're not taking him down. Um, and he was trying to convince himself that nah, like I, I am winning this fight, and his coach are telling me I'm not, mate. So it was just a typical Adesanya performance. Um, and he's 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 world class, man. He's world class on the feet, and he's now proven that he's improved the other sides of his game. Um, and I know people go back to Yan and say, well, what happened against Yan? Yan was a guy that was bigger. And Yan on the feet, I had that fight four rounds to one for Yan because I think in the exchanges on the feet, I think he got the better in most of them. It were very close rounds, don't get me wrong. And they could fight another yeah. 10 times and it could be split. You know what I'm saying? It was that close. And then takedowns in the last two rounds secured them two rounds. And a couple of the rounds before, I, I think he won on his feet. So credit to Yan. Um, but yeah, Adesanya is 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 building up a reputation to make himself the greatest middleweight champion ever. If he can get past his next fight, which would be Whitaker, um, I, I don't know if there's any stopping him. I think the only person that can stop him is is a switched on, fully operating Robert Whitaker. Yeah, um, it's lovely to see a, a fellow Nigerian in Adesanya man, just flying the flag, man. I think my my concern was obviously that that Yan defeat. You know how much how much of an effect that was going to be mm. going back down to middleweight to defend his crown. But listen, he gave a, an accomplished performance. Again, he, he does he does this all the time. You know, he, he just for me, it's just his composure, his intelligence, and to just make decent fighters look average. Um, and able just to dictate the way the, the fight was going. I mean, Vittori had his moments, but I felt for me, Adesanya controlled it from start to finish and made, you know, showed his class and his quality. And I think the second fight with uh, Whitaker, I think it's going to be an interesting one because I think when he fought Whitaker, Whitaker, you know, like you mentioned, Rem, about him, you know, the anger, the, hate, the anger towards he had Adesanya. But I think now, with, with that ring rust he also had as well, Whitaker coming back from injury. Mm. Now he's had a couple of more he, fights he under his belt. He looks like he's back to his he best. Too big. Yeah. In that fight as well. Mm. So now I think he's now going to be back to his his best. Now nah, I think he's going to pose a different question to Adesanya. Now I think we're going to get to see the the old Whitaker back, and now we're going to have to see how Adesanya deals with that. Um, but listen, it was an accomplished performance, and I think you know again another you know. I just hope the US, one little personal thing for me personally with Adesanya uh, um, and all the African fighters that we, you know, Dana White, get an event in Africa. It's a, it's time. It's time. I know, I know it's, I know it's just talking about the UFC 3, but we've got some outstanding African champions. It needs a UFC in Africa, man. We've got to make it happen because these, 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 these champions are here, here to stay, especially Usman and, and Adesanya. I can't see anyone beating him at middleweight. Um, so let's make that that stuff happen. Um, but moving on to the uh, the obviously the the co-main event um, between Federico and uh, Moreno, a uh, new champion was crowned Moreno. Uh, what was your thoughts, Rem, on that? 
impressed, man, with Moreno, man. I I I thought Figueroa would would come in this time, and obviously it was a rematch. And the first fight he won basically, but he had the point taken off him because toe punted him in the nuts. Um, really, <laughs> really hard. You know what I mean? That's why the point got taken off. Um, which no complaints about it, but um, otherwise he would have won the fight. Um, but it was competitive, really competitive. Um, I just thought Figueroa would, who complained about being ill before the first fight, um, said that that was the reason why the fight kind of went the way it did. It was that close. And he was promising that he was going to knock out Moreno. And I had him involved in my bet. Um, and Figueroa to win by knockout was what I was waiting for to win some money. Um, and Moreno, from as soon as that bell rang, Moreno was going to win that fight. There was no question. He was unbelievable. He was so switched on. Figueredo did nothing. He didn't throw anything. He had an awful weight cut. He just about made the weight like He has to move up. He has to move up, boy. I know he's talking about a third fight. Me, personally, Dana's done it before. Dana needs to just tell him, listen, mate. I'm sorry, I, I can't put you at that weight again. You need to, you need to go up. He's he's a big guy as well, um, but Moreno was brilliant, and to win it by submission, I was, I was surprised. Um, I was surprised that he could win. He could definitely win. He showed that in the first fight. No matter what you believe, the the, the narrative behind the fight was, you know what I mean. Um, but as I said, it, it cost me money. Moreno winning, but. You couldn't be happier for 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 a dude. You know, I mean, the way he comes across. Obviously, I don't know, him. Um, but just the way he comes across, he just comes across as a, such a normal, normal guy. Um, first Mexican-born champion. So, oh man, the sky's the limits for this dude. You know, what I mean, he's gonna be a star. He's got a great personality, so he can talk, um, and he's relatable, and oh. As I said, all the congratulations to him. He was, he was unbelievable from when the first bell rang. And as I said, there was only one guy that was going to win that belt. Yeah, he, he came in. He came in from the... He was determined to kind of get get that result, get that win. And obviously, like you mentioned, man, make Mexico proud and get that title back to Mexico. But, um, <laughs> but moving on, um, it's a nice little fight between Edwards and Diaz. Went the, went the distance. Uh, and Edwards is a uh, a beaten streak continues. Um, what was your thoughts on that? I mean, does Diaz Diaz feels um, hard done by? Do you, do you think he's got, he's got a valid point on that? Hard done by 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 what? Listen, man. By the, the by first, the decision. It was the first um, five round fight that wasn't a main event or a title fight. Yeah. And that was all for Diaz. Clearly, it was the only way. If we did do a preview show, it was the only way he could win the fight was if he could get it into the last round or last two rounds. And mm. Edwards kind of showed some fatigue or loss of concentration or, or something like that because Diaz is always in there, only been knocked out once by um, Josh Thompson, the head kick. He's always in there, but Edwards had the ability to knock him out by a head kick. He's got, he's got. A, Edwards is a fantastic fighter, you know what I mean. Um, and if there's 
guys that want to watch it homegrown fight a fight and, and kind of back him, it's Edwards because he's got a good story. He's kind of a quiet guy. Doesn't talk shit. I know he had that thing with Masvidal um, and we'll get onto that, but yeah. from minute one to minute 24, Edwards won the fight easily. Easily, as easy as you can be. He was never really in trouble. He was never in trouble. He dominated the fight as I thought he would in every area. He was too strong for Diaz. Never, when he took it down to the ground, it was a couple of situations where he landed a couple of ground and pound and said, you know, I'm even getting mixed up with this guy on the floor. Diaz is very good on the ground. His jiu-jitsu. So he stood it back up a lot of the time, land some beautiful shots on him, but Edwards didn't push on the gas to take him out. And the question was that with his long winning streak, Edwards had in his head that he was going to be next as long as he won. And you can understand that. Do you know what I mean? Because he's got a great win streak. The one thing is he mm. didn't have the name on the win streak. Now, you could argue, is yeah. Diaz, sorry, that name at Waterway, he's the name as in popularity, but not as a contender, you know what I mean? Obviously, he had that fight mm. that was supposed to be scheduled last year in March against Tyron Woodley. And at the time, that was his fight. Woodley, yeah. If he had beat Woodley, for me... He would have had that name on his record, which would have said, right, I'll be a top, top guy now. I should be next for the title shot. I've had all this win streak and I've topped it off by beating a, 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 a real title contender, a former champion, you know what I mean? Um, and I think that kind yeah, of played against him. I think he yeah. just thought, listen, I just have to win this fight. Um, listen, don't get me wrong. He was beating, you would say, he was beating Diaz up, cut Diaz on the head, cut him above the eye. Diaz is easy to kind of just slap him. But the last minute of the fight is why Nate Diaz is a superstar, man. Gave him the Stockton slap mm. and followed through with a left hand that hit his jaw as perfect as you can get it and rocked Edwards to his boots. You know what I mean? He was staggering mm. for the last minute. People say Nate didn't go for it as much as he should have instantly should have jumped on him. He pointed his finger at him, typical Nate Diaz style, but listen, that's Nate. Nate's not here to win belts. He's here to to, to entertain you. And, and that's what he did, man, because as I said, Edwards cruised the fight through fantastic technique, but not fantastic, fantastic entertainment, if you know what I mean. I'm not, I'm, I don't want to criticise him because yeah. I'm not a guy, I, I like the art and he, he showed the art. But entertainment-wise, to get your title shot, there's going to be people now that still will say, I'd rather see Colby fight Usman than Edwards. You know what I mean? So I think he's going to have to do one more fight. Yeah. But as I said, Diaz, Diaz is a superstar. And um, that showed in that last minute. He basically won that fight. In a way, he won that fight. Everybody will just remember that last minute. Nobody remembers Edwards beating shit out of him before that. Well, not beating the shit up and beating him easily, light work made light work of him, you know what I mean? Um, mm. and people just gonna remember that 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 slap and that punch and and Diaz pouring it on him towards the end and the crowd going crazy for Diaz. That's what people are gonna remember. Um, so yeah, before I let you speak, just um, so I think I don't know what's gonna happen next with Diaz. He says he wants to come back in like three months. Um, 
I hope it gets an entertaining fight. Obviously, I'd rather it not be at Waterway, but I understand why he wants to make it at Waterway. It's just easier for him to do. But I think the guys are just too big. This there's only certain guys that he can kind of realistically kind of fight. Even like Edwards wasn't a really realistic kind of fight. Give him his juice for fighting him. But there was always mm. only really going to be one winner. He just had the smallest chance. And he'd done it, to be honest. And as for Edwards, Colby's going to get that next shot, I think. Um, so I would like to see Edwards fight Masvidal. It's about it's time to do it, man. I think Masvidal, I think right. for the first time, is now going to start maybe pushing for it. I think. I have a few, I hope, mm. anyway. I hope, because I want to see that fight. I do believe Edwards will be him. Um, not easily, but I, I, I think it would yeah. be good to hear I think up, it's time. I think it would be good. Yeah, sorry? It's almost it's almost gone full circle now because at the time when they were they had that altercation, mm-hmm. I think in Masvidal's mind, you know, he was pushing towards a title fight and Edwards yeah. still had a lot to prove. Mm-hmm. Now I think with Masvidal losing to Usman twice and now he's kind of gone back to the queue, beating Edwards kind of puts him back in the contention. Yeah. And for Edwards now, it he's in that, a position where streak, he's won. He takes that winning streak. But if Edwards was to beat Masvidal, it, make, it makes a whole lot of sense now for him to be the next in line well, no, uh, for a belt. So now 100%. I think this is the time for both of them to get to fight. And I think Masvidal, I think for his reputation now, I think he needs a win. And I think there's no bigger fight outside of Usman and Covington. That this Edwards fight does make a lot of sense. And I think Edward needs that that Masvidal or, or Covington on his on his record to kind of push for that. Uh, that next step and and challenge Usman for the title and I and I do believe that Usman will beat Covington again, um, uh, uh, in the rematch when it does get announced. It looks likely it's going to be Covington and I don't think there's any been any announcements yet. But Edwards at the moment is in a good position, and I think that's the big fight next for him. Um, but I just wanted to move on um, and talk about the press conference for. Which which happened um, this week between Fury and Wilder, three and the episode kind of, of a str- yeah, and um, yeah, I just wanted to touch upon the the, the conference was a kind of a, a weird one in terms of um, Wilder's behaviour. Kind of found it quite odd the way he was behaving. Doesn't you know normally when Wilder's in conferences he's kind of loud. Sorry, sorry. Um, did, did you did you watch it? Yeah, no, I, I watched. I watched the conference. Um, okay, I, seen I, I didn't. I didn't it see just, it, so I, I ain't really got nothing yeah. to say about it. But you can explain yeah. it to me. Yeah, yeah, kind of found like watching it, seeing that like, you know both, both of them in the conference. You know, Fury was quite confident in terms of you know, understandably, you know, he comprehensively beat him um, last time out in confident mood. Believes he can do it again quicker. Wilder was very different. You know, normally before he's loud, brash, normally shouting out bomb squad. There was no bomb squads today. He had his headset on, very kind of looked like a broken man to me. And I think he's a guy for me that looked like he hasn't fully accepted that defeat and believes, you know, he's made so many excuses as to why he felt, you know, that result ended the way it was. He hasn't really given Fury his props for for beating him. Um, and he looks like, you know, you know, he's changed trainer now. He's in Malik Scott. And he believes that he, you know, he's he's after blood. He was saying, um, just acting very weird and peculiar. But to me, it just shows signs of a man that's broken, um, and a guy has not come to terms 
with those defeats because it was defeats. The first time he lost, the second time comprehensively got beaten, got knocked out. Um, he can make all the excuses he likes in the world, but that he looks like a broken man. And I can't see what Wilder can do. You know, he's been saying, you know, he's going to knock out Fury. I can't see it happening. He, I can't see Fury, Wilder making that many adjustments in such a short space of time to beat Fury. Fury for me is just that. It's just too good. Now you've, you've got Fury now in a situation where he's fit, he's healthy, he's strong. Now, you, your first opportunity was to beat him the first time around when he'd come off a three-year layoff. You're not going to get an opportunity again. Um, but yeah, you, you know, the conference was very mad. His behavior was peculiar. Um, again, I saw all signs of a broken man. And, you know, if you're going to get into verbals with Fury, you know, Fury's the man who's just going to do do you physically and mentally. So um, it's going to be an intriguing fight. But like I said, at the end of the day, it's only going to go one way. Fury's either going to box him on the back foot or look to kind of be more aggressive and try to take him out. Um, but like I said, Wilder's still dangerous. He's still got that right hand, that equalizer, but I can't I can't see him do anything else other than landing that big bomb. So did Fury listen, say time will tell. Did Fury say what he's gonna look to do? Did he kind of say his Well, you know, Fury gives all the give the spill. He says he's gonna knock him out earlier than than he did when he knocked him out in the seventh round. Um listen, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, Fury, you know, he's confident, he, he believes he can get it the job done a lot quicker than what he did. Um I think I think I think it might go twelve rounds. I think you know Fury will be kind of weary of uh, of Wilder's you know and the power that he possesses, and I think Fury would realize that you know, he needs to get through this fight. You know he needs to win this fight and move on to the bigger fights with AJ because that, that's what the fans really want. No one wants to see this fight. Um, but I, I think personally, you know, I think Fury's very confident. He's taking it seriously. He can't overlook Wilder. Um, so you know, I think he's taking it seriously. He looks in confident mood. He looks in good. He's in good shape. So, and the way he's coming across in the in the conference seems very confident. And I believe that you know that he's going to get the job done. And listen, mate, listen, Wilder's you know he's taking a different avenue in terms of the way he's behaving. Listen, he he believes he can go in there and and shock the world and, and knock him out. But listen, time will tell. But I can't see nothing but a fury victory. Well, quick, um, quick, quick thing. Um, but I just want to. Say, yeah. Did, yeah. Quick thing. Um. Well, not boxing, just the last point. Um, did you see the Ritson fight? Was it last week? Yeah. Yeah, last week with Ponce. Um, yeah. yeah, it was a it was a final eliminator uh, for one of Josh Taylor's um, belts. Oh, okay. Again. So, again, very, very disappointed. Very disappointed in Ritson. And I think it just underlines, you know, look, he's one of Eddie Hearn's fighters. And Eddie Hearn, um, listen, he, he does very well by his fighters, you know, giving them opportunities to potentially fight for world titles. But there's levels, you know. He's, you know, Ritson is a is a British level fighter at best. Um, Ponce from round one was at him. He looked like he looked, he, you know, he he kind of positioned himself in a way, you know. He barrage of punches coming left, right, and centre, and, and Ritson had no answer. He did not stop throwing he just, punches. He was inundating, inundating Ritson with punches, and and there's just Ritson throughout the fight just couldn't handle it, and it comes to a point where you know the, you know his team had to kind of throw in the towel, and it just goes to show there's levels, there's levels in this game. 
before we get into the towel thing, I, I just want to say, my, like, I, I, I watched the fight and like, my man was mm. just throwing Di Maria. They <laughs> bloody look like Di Maria. He was throwing bare punches. <laughs> like, he just didn't stop yet. Like, and he was fighting all kinds of inside tight. You know, I mean, just a couple of times I was thinking, Jesus Christ, like your head button, bro. You know what I mean? Um, mm. But like every shot that Ritson landed, we thought, oh, right, he might get some confidence from this. Or like my man might be a bit, do you know what I mean? Just step, step off the mm. gas a little. Like it just made it worse for Ritson. And I think about round five, I think his heart was broken. I, I think he knew he couldn't win that fight. I think he knew he didn't have it in him to win that mm. fight. I think he knew his confidence was... My man killed all confidence. As I said, every time he landed something decent, it meant nothing. Because my man would land another mm. five shots and then land a great shot after that. And, and I mean... I don't know about you. I don't know if you would have pulled him out because I know his dad was like to him, listen, man, I'm, uh, one more round, I'm going to pull you out if, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I, 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 listen, he's not going to say as a fighter, listen, take me out of this, you know what I mean? But you, I think you could see in his body mm. language, he, he knew he didn't have it to win it. He didn't have that last round in him. You know where... Your coach tells you, listen, you got one round to, to to knock this guy out or do something. He didn't he didn't believe mm. it. And I think from there, he, obviously his hindsight he probably should have been taken out because then the craziness happened with the towel. The towel got dashed yeah. in, yeah, and the ref picked it up and just dashed <laughs> it out of the ring. He paid yeah. no advice. He was like, fuck this, I'm letting this guy get him. Nah, I, I'm yeah. saying with this ending, like that was madness. I know I, I didn't see it. I know he went into the back and explained it to them. I, I didn't mm. see the clip. Um, I, I wish I did see it because I, I wanted to hear what the ref was on. Like, just like his people are telling him, listen, he's done. It was mad. Was mad. Yeah, I mean, you got to give credit to Ponce. I mean, he. He never took a step back. He wanted it more, and he just disheartened and disheartened and broke Ritson. Just systematically broke him down. I mean, as a fighter, you know, you're throwing a punch, you're throwing punches, and you think it's having an effect, and he's just taking them, taking them, and just and landing shots back. And that, as a for a fighter to kind of go through that process, knowing that your punches are not making an effect. Listen, yeah. that, that's heart, that's heart wrenching, especially when you're at home. Got your your home fans now. Fans are allowed back in the arena, you know, after the restriction of the COVID, and to 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 lose in that manner, I tell you, it's, it's listen. Ponce was a better man, and listen, he he moves on to a um, potential world title fight uh, with Josh Taylor. I mean, listen, shout out to Josh Taylor as well, winning the uh, undisputed against uh, Ramirez a couple of weeks back. Um, I believe he's the first Scottish undisputed champion. So um, shout out to him. But listen. Fantastic performance by Ponce, um, beating Ritson. Uh, but we've come to an end of the, of the podcast. I just, uh, just want to thank Rem for um, today's uh, today's episode. I just yeah, want to say um, thank you very much for everyone. Um, we'll be back uh, at some point next week. 
hopefully reviewing. Maybe um, you keep saying that. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe we'll see. We we'll say see maybe, how it maybe, but you will see what time. See we'll, how, we'll it, see goes, how uh, it goes. It, it but hopefully, optimistic. Yeah, uh, to bring you one. But like again, just want to say thank you to everyone. Um, and like, yeah, we'll see you soon.